Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Make It Big podcast. We're your hosts for this episode today. I'm Devin Plopper, Senior Strategic Partner Enablement Manager here at BigCommerce, and I am joined by Bessie Howarth, the Senior Manager of Partner Experience at BigCommerce. Partner enablement is a new and evolving role at many technology companies. Sometimes it's rolled into the learning and development department, and sometimes it's a marketing role. At BigCommerce, we house our tech partner enablement under Partner Experience. We believe that enabling partners on how to be better together is fundamental to growing successful partners partnerships. Effective enablement involves focusing on the perspective of the team you're speaking to, focusing on actionable takeaways, and making sure that the party receiving the enablement walks away feeling they received valuable information that will support their goals. Oftentimes, partner enablement is just a small extension of sales enablement that goes on within organizations, and that's why we invited Jeff Starrett of BlueSnap to come speak with us today to talk about what it looks like to integrate partner enablement into a broader sales enablement strategy at your company. Jeff has been working in training, consulting, and sales enablement for about 20 years. He started several businesses, designed and run learning programs in a number of industries, and he's been working in SaaS sales enablement specifically since about 2015. Currently, Jeff is the director of sales enablement at BlueSnap, one of BigCommerce's global payment partners. Although he's responsible for enabling internal teams, he often interfaces with technology partners like us at BigCommerce to ensure his sales teams are up to date on partner offerings. Jeff was gracious enough to join us today to talk about all things enablement. Jeff, would you like to introduce yourself and share a bit about your background? Well, sure. Yeah. First of all, thanks for thanks for having me. I, lo I love talking about all things enablement, as you said. Um, I guess the, the background, my DNA, I come from a family of, of teachers and professors. And so I guess we all just like to share information. So that's always appealed to me. I started my career as a high school teacher, believe it or not, and then was in pharma and medical devices and, and held various training roles. Uh, as a consultant, I, I would take a look at uh, everything in a revenue cycle and everything from a revenue engine. And so I've been able to apply that, that uh, problem solving and, and sort of the same teaching uh, ideology, I suppose, to working in SaaS as companies begin to scale. So it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and I'm learning more every day, but uh, it's, it's great to be here. So thanks for having me. It's a constant learning exactly. journey. <laughs> it never starting stops. with high schoolers, I feel like you're probably set up for success there, Jeff. Like you're, you're starting with high schoolers. Like you can draw on that experience for years to come. <laughs> it True. pays Patience. off. Patience. That's, that's true. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, to kind of frame up why we're here today, obviously we gave a very professional intro, but I, Jeff, after I had enabled your team, I had asked to have just a conversation with you because I really appreciated the way that you approached partner enablement. Like you were honestly in the last year and a half, the only partner that asked me to put together quiz questions to make sure that there was a competency. And I really liked the way that we interacted. So we had an awesome conversation and that's why I kind of wanted to bring this to a broader audience because I felt like people people would get a lot of value about it, the things that we're talking about. So um, I think I just, I wanted to talk really about like what enablement means in SaaS today. I'm obviously doing partner enablement, you're running sales enablement, and Bessie is like overall things enablement from a programmatic standpoint. So, you know, just for us to have three different perspectives on like what that is. So I guess the first question would kind of be like, what does enablement empower within an organization from, from each of your perspectives? Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll happily hop in. Um, I think ultimately, what I look at from a from an enablement perspective is I, I look to make sure that the processes that the companies are, are the companies using are well defined, and that there's internal kind of sales facing content that's available uh, to be able to make sure that we've captured that appropriately. Then the learning can take place, and so ultimately, you should see more efficiency, you should see more clarity, you should see more competence coming from every aspect of the business, and so. When you can also mobilize subject matter experts from inside other functions, 
all of a sudden you you have this group ownership of of this sort of growing competency in, in the business. And it's a, it's an exciting thing to see. I think what I would say from a what is it what does it lead to? I think we see we see better communication, we see better planning, and we see a better understanding of when when products launch or when changes are made. We're much more aligned from a process and content and learning management perspective. So it's probably a, a long answer, but it's uh, that it, it, enablement can mean so many different things to so many different companies. That's been my view, though. I think there can sometimes be a perception that it's just training, but in reality, we delve into a lot of other areas to make sure the business is running, uh, you know, predictably is the thing we always shoot for. It's not just predictable revenue, but predictable process that we can follow, and that way we get a repeatable behavior. So. And knowing, I think your your team's core competency, right? That's what you kept saying, Jeff. Around what is what is your team competent in, and knowing when to tap in those other teams, knowing when you're out of your depth and when you need to ask the expert, right? Having those subject matter experts on speed dial. It's about relationship building internally, right? So that you have those people in your back pocket where you can always call them. Hey, I need help figuring out how to stand up this course. Tell me everything, right? That is so true, and I think inevitably. What I do, I, I have a handful of people that I haunt at Blue Snap very regularly, <laughs> and, I, and I slack them and say, "Hey, can we have a five-minute meeting?" And the joke is, it's usually thirty minutes or more. But I'm like, thirty-minute, five-minute meeting, but it's so you true. lure them in with the illusion of a shorter meeting. <laughs> right, right. It's the old bait and switch. We're all about it. Yeah, I'm also familiar <laughs> with that tactic. Right. I think also for me, like when I think of what I'm trying to empower within partner organizations, for for me, and I would imagine kind of in sales as well for you it's it's about like just removing all the noise like really just finding out exactly what that audience cares about because you know even if if people are really invested in what you're talking about they're really only going to take about two or three things away generally that they could remember if they weren't taking copious notes so like really walking in having that five minute that turns into a 30 minute conversation with the person that's like organizing the enablement to understand exactly what should this team walk away from if they only hear one thing what would that be and figure out how to weave that through like every part of the conversation like i think that was like something kind of double clicking on what i opened this with that i really liked about when you'd ask me for some quiz questions when i enabled your team it helped me think if I was taking this quiz after the fact, would it have been easy for me to answer these questions or did I bury them somewhere where it's not even going to be useful? Like really thinking about how to make that information clear and digestible and valuable to the audience so they could walk away with exactly what we want them to. It's, it's very true. And I appreciate your, your willingness to collaborate on that. And I had a blast putting that information together with you because it was very clear we, we spend a lot of time talking about the what, when in reality, sometimes it's just, let's start with the why. Why are we talking through this? What expectations do we have? And when we when we communicated with our internal audience, we, we had varied levels of expectation based on you know different roles and so forth. But uh, that was all conveyed so clearly in the deck that you prepared and in the recording session that, that, we, that we kept on record. Uh, so a, another thing I, I think is important is the leave behind. Uh, so, so it's great to have a single event, but we plug that into our LMS and everyone who's come through the door you know, since that time, all of our new hires to have taken part in that and that lesson to understand what it is that's so valuable about about big commerce. And so that's been a great thing for us to see. We're excited about the partnership, but it's great that 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 has some longevity now inside our internal systems and people know where to go to find those resources kind of in our SharePoint references and in our LMS. So I was excited to, to collaborate with you on that. Devin, you brought up a good point about 
bringing in partner enablement and when exactly those teams need to know the, that information, right? I think that when we work through this day in and day out, we know this information backwards and forwards, right? It's kind of like when, you know, we were talking about high school earlier, when you're writing that paper that you know everything about, sometimes you're not great at teaching that because what is a foregone conclusion to you and dots that you connected years back that's not exactly being connected for your audience, right? So making those quiz questions, and like you said, Devin, making sure that you are teaching to those questions so that people can pass it and put it in their review and then commit it to memory and move on, right? Sometimes when we talk about things day in and day out, I do this all the time with our internal teams. I'm trying to explain something that is so like the back of my hand to me and folks I can see on their face, they're like, what are you talking about? And I have to slow myself down and be like, okay, you know, Eli five, explain like I'm five. I, you know, we say that all the time internally and it helps a ton. That's yeah, a one of the toughest classes I took in college was actually by the professor that wrote his textbook. And I think I always think about that a lot that he was yeah, so connected to the information that was really hard for him to get back to this like beginners or learners mind. Yeah. Like that really, I, I think that's why I try to overcompensate by saying, hey, like, let me talk to Jeff. Let me, the partner manager is great, but I want to know what is the sales team's goals right now? Can I talk to the manager of the sales team? Like, what ICP are you guys going after? Like, really trying to come back to the basics and not just make assumptions because it's really easy to talk past each other, especially in B2B SaaS. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times as a salesperson, I've been on calls where I realize people are talking past each other and don't, they don't connect until like 15 minutes into the call that they haven't been talking about the same thing. Like avoiding that at all costs is important. So it's like asking the questions, like you said, Jeff, like wh who are the people? Does everyone have the right expectations? Don't just assume that ask and then execute. That's a good point. We, we make a joke sometimes in terms of how we prep. And, and I love the idea of explaining it like you're five. Sometimes we'll <laughs> say, you know, sixth grader, 10th grader back to the teaching days right and then we'll get it like, okay college grad and then some small subset of that population might need a phd level explanation <laughs> but we always come back to start with this to say what why are we here and what is it that we're to accomplish and then we will literally list learning objectives to say by the time this is done we hope that you can do these things effectively and then naturally when we wrap up we say okay now it's time for honest hour these are the things we set out to accomplish how did we do and we'll get immediate feedback, you know, in the in the form of um, sometimes we'll do the smile sheets and things, but we'll often get learner just just the idea of nods and recognition, like yeah, I'm pretty confident with that. Okay, so it landed, and and then mm -hmm. we check for application. So the fun part is on the backside. Um, we'll always chase in Gong as our as our call intelligence platform, and so we we searched as soon as um, we ran that. Well, you ran the training for us. I started to hunt to understand any calls that contained. Phrasing. I say, okay, I'm going to go in and hunt for big commerce. Did we phrase it correctly? Did we set it up correctly? So we're doing that QA on the backside just to make sure that it wasn't just a, a momentary kind of information grab, but that we're putting it into practice. So that's a, that's a thing we're continuing to get better at. But um, I couldn't agree more. The need for simplicity and, and just uh, comfort level at uh, sixth grade to just to, just to ground everyone in where we're going. Yeah, I think when we talked, um, you know, a few weeks ago, it's like people don't want to feel stupid. And it's really important when you're explaining this, whether you're talking to a sales team internally, a partner team, you're talking to a prospect, like 
people want to feel that they are in a safe space to ask a question. They don't want to feel like I'm already 10 steps behind. It's better for me to just be quiet and then check out. Like that's your camera off moment. If people are not engaged, you you already missed the boat. Like you have to go back and figure that out. Like where, where did you lose people? Cause I think like you're saying after the fact, I try and like pay attention to those cues in real time too. If I see people like checking their Slack, I'm like, clearly this is not landing. Sometimes I'll even ask be like, this seems like this may not be valuable to you. This happened to me one time in an enablement and it sounded like the part, the manager and the partner manager got some wires crossed and I just totally scrapped the deck and talked about a totally different topic for 45 minutes because I figured out these people don't care about what I'm saying and I'm not just going to keep doing it for 45 minutes if like <laughs> they don't, this doesn't matter. So we ended up like having a really great conversation, but you have to like be paying attention to those cues, like you said, in Gong, but also real time when you're talking to people, like, is this landing? Yeah. And I, I chuckle, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of making an audience feel comfortable and it's particularly remote. You can see when people are shutting down. Um, I know this is something that you both do all the time, but I, I, I've tried to push the use of a better question around um, how folks are absorbing information. So instead of asking the question, does anyone have any questions on that? And obviously you see people turtle up and heads go down and, uh, you know, as opposed <laughs> to, hey, we've just gone through a lot of information and some of this can be confusing and you should in fact have questions about what's been discussed so far. So let me ask you, what questions do you have? And all of a sudden people are like, oh, oh. And now you start to see, you know, on the Zoom call, you'll see the little hands go up or you'll see people that will jump in. So by inviting it at two point, it's that psychological safety. Like, I, I don't want to feel like I'm missing something here. So that's a that's a really important effort that we try to make just to make people feel comfortable. Just to, just to have yeah, getting out. people engaged in the content. And if people ask questions and talk about it, they're more likely to remember that in the first place. Like the sure. the, the part where you asked that and they communicated with you, they're probably going to remember that better than if you sent them a PDF or asked them to watch a video like actually being engaged is really helpful. Um, at lunch, I was actually talking to someone about um, a partner enablement. She had joined as a salesperson years ago that she still remembers. And it was because they brought, um, it was for a ship station. I can talk about them. They're a partner of ours that they actually brought the scanner to the office and let them scan and print labels and test it out. And she was like, I remember doing that still. And I did that almost five years ago. Like actually being involved really has longevity in a way that we don't always give it credit for. So true. It's so cool. Yeah. And I would say too, like, don't be afraid to tap in, you know, from my perspective, I'm typically training internal teams on new things that are rolling out. Right. So uh, when I have those people in one room and it's all folks from BC all together, don't be afraid to tap people that you work with to say, hey, I'm going to pause for questions. I want you to have a question. Like I, I need you to help me get the conversation going. Right. Again, this is all internal folks that like you have that sort of level of safety with. Um, but I do. Devin and I do this all the time with one another. She'll be presenting on something or I'll be presenting on something. And I'm like, I'm going to pause for questions. And Devin, pipe up with a question, right? And she'll do the same to me. She'll be like, please ask, because it just gets the conversation going. Like you were saying, Devin, a lot of the time, folks don't want to be that first person to raise their hand or say, this slide made no sense to me, even though the three of us, all three of us would super duper value that feedback, right? So it's one, an instruction to tap the folks that you can uh, when you're having that meeting. And two, to know that when you're talking with an enablement person, for the most part, all of us really value what's actually good for you, the listener the end user, please tell us when something doesn't land, right? So true. And just the idea of tran pure transparency. It's one of those things that I, I'm, my famous line is, hey, you're not going to hurt my feelings 
if, if you tell me this, is a, if this isn't as effective as I want it to be, but look, what else do we need to discuss? And we often pivot, as you mentioned, that the, the idea of pivoting in a different direction to make sure that what's most important is discussed. I think that's, that's a big deal. The idea of having learners feel comfortable is a, is a big deal. And I've seen many cases where that's, that's sometimes a, a tough hurdle to get past, you know? And so that's, that's where I think we can each play a role of, you know, having people feel comfortable with, uh, with whatever knowledge level they have coming in. We can just make people feel comfortable. I'm giving away some of my secrets here, I realize, but I also <laughs> always tell my partner managers when I'm doing partner enablement. And honestly, Jeff, I'm, I'm curious, um, after I tell this, if this has been your experience with the sales enablement piece, but I tell partner managers, um, use me as your secret weapon to go in and ask questions that you probably couldn't ask because you have a different relationship with them. Like, why are you struggling? Like, if someone asked you to talk about big commerce, what would you say today? Like, just asking questions of the partner sales team that they don't honestly generally get to talk to. And same thing for you, where like sales managers could ask you to ask their team something that they may be comfortable telling you that they wouldn't feel comfortable telling their manager because they don't necessarily have that safety to be like, I don't actually understand how we talk about this API connection or this new thing that we dropped. Like, I don't really know how to talk about it. Like, the, there's so many opportunities that are just kind of bubbling below the surface that you just have to make available to tap into and those like i'm learning just as much when i'm enabling someone as hopefully they're learning from me if i'm doing it well i think oh, i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more we see that an awful lot and i think that this the discussion comes down to a lot of times you know com companies will have have great internal websites they'll have doc pages they'll have integration pages available but ultimately that doesn't answer the question around like, how do I position this? What's the smartest way for me to discuss this? That That's the gray area. And ultimately that, that those are the types of conversations that, that come up in, in our trainings where I'll, you know, and I will, I will absolutely, you know, preload a number of those questions in the audience, but I'll carry those too, as you said, just to say, look, I'd imagine there are questions out there around how to position this. How many folks have that question and inevitably hands go up and it's like, all right, well, let's talk about it. And just to try to invite everyone into the pool, if you will, you know, or like maybe the solutions engineer came in and showed it to your sales team, <laughs> but they would describe it very differently than your sales team would. So they're like, hey, I need, I need some like layman's terms for how I would talk about this integration or like, I need to know generalized timelines of like how long this would take or what kind of prospect this makes sense for. I think making that really easy, like I often will talk about like things to listen for, for replatforming, like helping people understand, hey, if you hear this, maybe a light bulb should go off where um, you could think about talking about big commerce and being also like that radical transparency around we're a platform and sometimes replatforming is kind of a painful proposition like changing payments providers is a pretty big choice for for people so like being honest and empowering the people who are talking about the product to be honest with the people like we're all people selling to people like trying to educate and be like be real and it's i think that's really valuable like helping to figure out how to empower people to talk about things in a way that seems genuine is better for all parties involved in the buying, selling, teaching like process. Yeah, the theme that comes up for me in that is instilling trust, right? And this goes all the way back to your example, Devin, where you're like, I scrapped the deck and I started over and I said, what do y'all need to hear from me right now, right? What does that do that instills such trust in the person that you're talking to, right? And what you're talking about right now does that exact same thing, making sure that, hey, Here's, here's a safe space here. You know, let's talk about what you actually need help with. What are the questions that you get that what's that one question you don't want that person to ask because you don't know how to answer it. Let me help you. Right. Let's parachute in and let's help with that micro example. It's a great point. It's a great point. And I, I think too, 
kind of just thinking of the point you made around the idea of, of risk and the idea like there's, there's a lot at stake with making changes, making making the wrong decision, making decisions to take you know, if, if there's something that takes too long to get implemented. OK, what are the implications of that? So we spend a lot of time talking about empathy and the idea like, listen, I, I want to meet you where you are and help guide you along this process and go at whatever pace makes sense for you. So so sometimes, you know, naturally, salespeople can think, well, I've got a number to make. This is a pretty good fit. But it's, it can be difficult to decelerate and say, listen, I just want to help. I want to see if I can help you. Let me try to figure out what barriers you may, you may be thinking about. And let's talk about those openly and honestly early. You know, let's talk about what it's like to get an implementation done here. And let's talk about, you know, what does a solution doc look like? And how do we navigate that together? And what, what are you most afraid of, right? And we, we spend some time kind of on the emphasis of shepherding people through those decisions, just from purely from a point of view of empathy, just to understand, hey, um, naturally, we think of, we measure the the progress and Salesforce stages and so forth, but a lot of the, the concepts we have around the way that deals mature are are set in in with buyer language. This is what the buyer's considering. This is when they're considering options. This is when you know mitigating risk. So that's just all genuinely from a, from a buyer centric perspective to have that empathy, and that seems to to matter, and, and particularly in a space where you can find a lot of you know, companies will get started on their own. They can just go to a website. Here's here's how you you know ultimately think of other companies that. Um, you know, if you want to get started on your own from a dev team, you don't really need someone to shepherd you through it. But that's one thing that we try to provide value uh, as a team is to say, hey, listen, we, we can go shoulder to shoulder with you as you make these decisions. So I couldn't agree with both of your points anymore. It's uh, It matters a lot. It's a human game after all, right? So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's people like working with other people and like being yeah. honest and genuine. I feel like like saying, hey, clearly what I was talking about doesn't matter to you. Like, <laughs> can I talk to you about something that matters? Like if I hadn't done that, it would have honestly been a waste of my time and their time. And like, I think so trust and respect to who like I'm here. I always say like this isn't a rah-rah big commerce session. This is for me to talk about how I hopefully have ascertained that we can help you close your like the gap on your goals as as partners and like helping people understand that that being honest or having those tough conversations and like telling them where those pitfalls may be it like makes people feel more confident and willing to talk to i think i always try and put my my like um myself back in the seat of being a salesperson and how i would want to have those conversations i feel like that's something i wish someone had told me more earlier on in my sales career where it's like just be honest with people like People are going to trust you more like you don't have to know all the right words. Just say, I don't know, is a completely fine answer. I don't know, but I can find out. And I say that a lot in my enablement as well. Like, I don't know the answer to that, but I will connect you to someone who does. So like, yeah, I think it's um, it's this sort of like strategies around that is like how to facilitate those things is really important. Um, one of the things I know we're kind of like getting close to the end, I wanted to ask about was how do you balance perspectives in your content? I think we all have a lot of stakeholders that have a lot of opinions about the information that we share. Jeff, I would ask you kind of first and then Bessie over to you, like how do you guys balance the perspectives in your content with all the people's um, ideas kind of spinning around behind the scenes? It's a balancing act to be sure, you know, and ultimately we recognize like at, at BlueSnap, we have a, a blue website that describes kind of from a marketing perspective our capabilities we also have what we call like an orange section which is more like the, the dev doc support docs and so we, we recognize um, those two pieces but ultimately the thing we try to to include in all the trainings that we provide is a some element of messaging some element of communication some, some element of um, nothing scripted necessarily but but the we, we try to balance off those two perspectives and look at it from the point of view of a potential prospect to say like what, what, 
out of everything that's listed here, what would they want to know? And and how can we message it that way? So it's a it's a it's an effort because the pendulum can swing sometimes in terms of how conversations go and how deals mature. But ultimately, it's just trying to have that sort of customer centric mindset. Um, so it's a kind of a clumsy answer, but that, that's it's, no, it's, it's a, not clumsy. I think the website <laughs> is actually a great answer, like because that's something a bunch of stakeholders have already agreed on and it's content that people have already signed off on. And it's a really like balanced way to kind of approach talking about it. I think I love the like on website demo sort of like answer for this. I think it's great. Yeah. Like you said, it's something that's easy. It's easy to align everybody to, right? It's almost like um, a disinterested party. You're like, well, the website says this, so we can just say that that's, that's like the true north, right? Uh, yeah. From my perspective, um, enabling internal teams, a lot of the time I am responding to a need, right? A lot of the time folks, teams will come to our team and say, hey, I really don't understand this big, broad concept. Like, can we get a training put together on this thing? Um, and whoever comes to me with that feedback, I ask a ton of questions. What exact, where are you hitting up against this? What is the big sticking point? Where's the bottleneck? And I really try to identify exactly where the issue lies. Um, and I use that as my North star when I'm designing the entire thing, right? Like you said, Devin, I have a ton of internal stakeholders and leadership that really like to weigh in on exactly what we're training on. And what I use my website, if, <laughs> as it were, um, is what the user asked for. Like, I understand that we want to present on all of these things and we all have a ton of opinions on this one really bulky, hairy topic, but the learner asked for this narrow slice of the pie, right? So we don't actually need to have every single thing in this one training. Let's focus on what the learner needs right now. And then the follow-up to that, we mentioned this earlier, but it's about the follow-through and the follow-up and making yourself available for them for any other questions. Now, um, and we also talked about sixth, 10th college grade, all of that. My team's um, equivalent of that is we say bite, snack, meal. We're like, do you need a bite? Do you need a snack or do you need the full meal, right? Um, so identifying, are you taking a bite, a snack or a meal for that exact training? And if you need more, then there's always more to give. But um, when, you know, when you're getting a slice of these people's time, they have 30 minutes, they really need to understand everything about this really hairy topic. It's super important to understand exactly what they're looking to learn. Because like like we're all saying, if you get it, if you get them in there for an hour and it's not what they needed, then you're not building that trust. And I think enablement as a motion in any organization, word of mouth is so powerful. Think about it, right? Every time that Devin or Jeff or Bessie touches anybody in their organization and gives them a training, uh, that person then goes around to all of their friends and says, hey, I had an issue with this. I asked Jeff one question and oh my gosh, I learned so much, right? So there's a really powerful sort of like word of mouth element, I think, internally with enablement as well. And externally, I know Devin, for you, um, a ton of our tech partners have sort of like, they'll glom on, right? We'll go to a conference and everybody's like vying for Devin's time, which is so cool to see. Um, so I know that that's super powerful, both internally and externally. Yeah, I was going to say collaborating for me and with some partners, obviously Google Docs isn't available to everybody. So I have to like think outside of the box a little bit, but I always try and like, I know I send it to you, Jeff, to like, hey, this is our deck. Does this look like exactly what you guys were expecting? Do you want me to scrap stuff? Should we like switch things out? Like giving people the go, no go opportunity to say, 
this isn't working. This isn't what we wanted. So we're not getting to that place where we have to scrap the deck live. Like hopefully we make those changes beforehand. And I try to balance that with like, hey, before I send it externally, I've made sure everyone internally has given me the green light and then I share it. And so it's like these layers of like proofreading because I'm always going to miss like taking somebody's logo out by accident or something is misspelled or I need to double check how like what regions or countries we're supporting an integration with like things that I'm a generalist. I work with all of our tech partners that I just cannot know the answers to. Like I'm presuming similarly, Jeff, for you of like, there's probably some technical stuff that you're like, that's not for me. This is the basic stuff. Like I'm going to talk about the sales language, but I can't tell you about how this integration is working. Like the, you know, being able to know when to say, Hey, this is outside of my competency. I need someone to come in and like, give me the basics so then I can weave this in effectively. Like I think those layers for me is how I try and collaborate, I guess. That's such a good point. We spend a lot of time doing um, what we call kind of case-based scenarios, right? So the idea like, hey, you're, you're on with a prospect and this is what this company looks like. This is what their integration needs are. This is their volume located here, customers here. And then we'll say, okay, this is the question you get. If you're working from a marketing perspective, how would you answer it? Okay, so our solution consultant, how would you answer it? So I literally pull those people into a discussion to be able to provide those varying uh, viewpoints, if you will. And, and like you said, it also protects me to quite honestly, it protects me in those situations too. Like I don't need to be the keeper of all the information. I just want to put you smart can't people. Be. Yeah, yeah. Just put smart people in a room and give them a chance to talk to each other. You know, so that's not a bad thing. You're just, you're just the gatekeeper of all of that knowledge <laughs> <laughs> to make sure some of the fluff doesn't come through. Right. <laughs> um, I know we're, we're getting close to, to time, but I wanted to ask one last question to the group, which I think we've kind of been answering all along, but to kind of put a bow on it, like how do you work with cross-functional teams to effectively enable? So we were talking, about kind of stakeholders within our own org but like working with marketing or working with web or working with developers like how how do you collate all of that information and all of those voices to like make sure your enablement or teaching is is well grounded yeah i mean i think that one of the things that we have a, a great marketing team here at blue snap and so when there's an initiative that's planned if there's a, a particular piece of content that's going to get built and it's important that the team is, is aware of that I'll get some advance notice on that and I'll, I'll ask all those questions. What do we need people to be able to do? So I'll, I'll pre-build something in our learning management system and then make sure that the team is queued up and ready to go. So we, we try to get ahead uh, of those sorts of events and we pull people in to collaborate on, on those e-learning components just to make sure that there's a, a record that's got a, you know, a pretty wide sample of input and we're making sure we, we cover those bases. So that's, the, that's a process that seems to work fairly well, but love to hear from each of you how you go about doing that. Yeah, I think I would say um, become multilingual, not literally, but I think become the person. I'm firmly of the belief that when you're enabling your organization or partner organizations, it is incumbent upon you to become the person that can speak a lot of different languages. And I don't mean literally, um, but when you're working cross-functionally with teams that um, are the experts in their area, we were talking about this earlier, um, where you have those people that you know their core competency and you know that it is far off the mark from your core competency, right? Know what you're good at, right? Uh, horses for courses, as my mother would say. Um, but being willing to learn the language that they speak, whatever that may mean, if that's a different tooling system that they use than you do, if that is a cer certain ways that they want their tickets exactly produced to you, if they like to 
uh, chat via email, Slack, that type of thing. I think it's about, you know, you hear a lot about meeting those teams where they are. And I think that's um, mainly what has helped me with cross-functional collaboration in teams is really trying to study at their feet and understand exactly how they speak to each other and how their work gets done the most optimal way. Um, and then playing in their sandbox, right? We're asking for their time. We're asking for their expertise to come help and hopefully that benefits the entire org, right? Like um, a rising tide, right? But uh, at the same time, we are asking their time to help us. So I am a firm believer in becoming multilingual in whatever that way looks for your organization. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of cross-functional teams, I always like to think, again, putting my sales hat on, like you're kind of selling having people spend time with you. So yeah. in the same way, if I'm going to marketing, what are your goals right now? Oh, they're yeah. to get this messaging out. Well, can I have your language for that so I can make sure it's updated in all of our content? Like helping people realize that like what you're doing is helping them and tying those dots together really helps with people wanting to get on your team and make sure that you have the correct information. It's it's kind of that same, like coming full circle to where we were at the beginning of the conversation. Like I'm trying to draw a direct line between what I need from them and how what I'm doing actually helps them, makes that process a lot easier instead of like, hey, can I get the new like messaging language that doesn't really tell them anything? It's like, hey, I'm really excited because I'm doing X. Can I get this because this is what we're doing and I can help like, I'll, I'll send out some feedback forms to see if people were landing with that and we can like riff on those things. I'm more talking about like product marketing at this point since I spent a lot of time with them. But I feel like you, you're kind of always selling, like just because we're all not in sales anymore doesn't mean we're not selling. Like you have to be really effectively selling who you are, why it's important to spend time with you, why they like you deserve them to send those resources or maybe help a little bit. So I think that's like one of the biggest things for me is making sure like when I'm enabling or working with cross-functional teams, I'm also telling them like, hey, this is why I think it's valuable to spend time with us or share with these things. And this is what it empowers in the organization. That's a great point. I think all those subject matter experts appreciate the shout out too. You know, when, when that final package is ready and you're like, hey, we got this information, want to make sure this resonates. And also thanks to so-and-so from product who helped with this. And all of a sudden you, you see that it's a mosaic, right? It's, it's multiple perspectives and people know, okay, this guy's not making this up. He actually went to the right people internally to make sure we got this right. So. Well, speaking of gong, I think the gong is going off for us to close <laughs> the call. So um, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining. Um, thanks to everyone for joining the Make It Big podcast to talk about enablement. We hope you learned something. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye.